All right, we're back with Felipe. Gonna continue this this conversation. You ready? I'm ready. I mean, I already did it, but I'm still ready. Let's go. That impacted me. But you know, then you move, you grow, you shake it off. You know what I'm saying? You see the flaws in them and you try to overcome those flaws. I tell people all the time, there's many barriers that's in front of you. There's always a strategy to get past that barrier. I have felonies, you know what I'm saying? I've, I've been, I have a, a crazy, crazy background. You know what I'm saying? There's no reason on anybody's paper that I should be where I'm at today. But strategies, you move around the strategies, you de- work on different strategies to get to where you want, to where you want to be. And you realize that you are as good as whoever is. And even if you're not, you're who you are. And that's what I felt. That's what really much erased the imposter syndrome. I'm not trying to be you. I'm not trying to be this one. I'm not trying to be that one. I'm trying to be the best me I can be. And that's what I do. So how do you, like, what is it? I mean, you have a hell of a story, right? Being a crip at 14, that's crip, blue, gang. Like, just to be clear what I'm saying for the audience, having an abusive household, right? Going into the Navy, And still being a gang member, which I have to ask you about if we get to it. Like this, this military, just a big gang. (laughs) The biggest politics is a big gang. Republicans, blue, crip, Democrats. (laughs) Yeah. The crips and blue. We get rid of all the gangs. You might have a better world, you know? Yeah. (laughs) But you come to like, you have a hardened past. So now you're at a place to actually look at people, meeting people where they are, from my perspective, it's all about compassion, right? Like, I don't have to like you. I don't have to care about what you do tomorrow, but I can at least care about your human existence. You exude compassion through your work. How do you channel that in those moments where you're spit on, being called the N-word, all of that? I wasn't always a therapist. Like you said, you know, I was many things. I wore many hats. And I have to remember that, Imagine if I had an intervention or a strategy at any given point of my time that equaled what I can give, how different my life would be. And I just always remember that. You know what I'm saying? I always remember that if I was at 14, if I had a mentor or a therapist even, or if my mom got therapy at that age, how different I would be. I might be a doctor or if my guidance counselor at when I was 15 or 16, when I told her I wanted to be uh, um, a lawyer when she talked me out of it because of my her knowing some of my gang ties and what neighborhood I stayed in. How that pushed me even further into gang activity. What if she was supportive and said gave me some resources or told me what classes to take that would give me that? We live in one of the most crime ridden cities in the world. She knows plenty of black lawyers. Why don't she could have set me up with a mentor or something? Just being, just knowing that at any given time, if the right intervention, the right strategy was in place, how different my life would be. That it took umpteen years to get on track. That if if I had some interventions earlier, I could have been on track so much more. I could have been so much greater. I'm curious what your, so you said, try not to put yourself on a pedestal. And I heard that a little bit in that answer. There is a calm, and I'll, I'll use the word humble. I don't know what else to use the vibe that I'm picking up off of you that is very much like you just get it. You've seen a lot of things in life and you get that people require some grace. You talk about not putting yourself on a pedestal. Does ego play into that? Like what, what are the components that you think play into people putting themselves on a pedestal? Or as Keith said, 
needing you to understand my point right now. I would say, you know, I think ego is a big part of it. You know, people don't want to feel less than. People want to feel important. People want to be stronger. A lot of times people have internal flaws within themselves. So to be able to big up themselves so those flaws aren't so evident, I think that comes into play. In my field, I think it's just a, I see a lot of one, one-upmanship. You know what I'm saying? I'm doing this, 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 and that. But are you really doing this, this, and that? And even if you are, are you really living? I try to achieve a state of homeostasis, a state of some type of balance in my life. Cause I know just being a regular person is just as important as being a professional person. And I know that I, uh, that's why I do podcasting and graphic design and media, music and all that stuff, because I feel I have to have some type of normal to offset the, the professionalism. I see people throwing a hundred percent at the professionalism, the, the conferences, the side hustles and all that. But then when you look at them and you look internally into their soul You'll see that they're not truly being genuine. They're cutting corners. They're not being ethical. They're not being moralistic. And they're not being good people. You know what I'm saying? Sometimes through their words, subliminally shitting on others. You know what I'm saying? I know clinicians that actually do the research on some of these people and see that they're not all that what they say they are and that they're frauds in many aspects. People want to feel important in many aspects. I think wanting to be on a pedestal, wanting to be bigger than has a lot of to do with self-worth. Maybe your mom didn't honor you, tell you that you were intelligent or you did well. Maybe your father wasn't there. Or he didn't give you the seeds he needed to give you in order for you to be well. I didn't get those seeds either, but apparently I must've got them in the, the core values of who I am. Maybe one through five, my mom and dad just did everything they were supposed to do. My grandparents did everything they were supposed to do as that pretty much instilled the core me, and maybe some people don't get that core off the top. Maybe some people don't get that. Maybe it's a seed that's within me internally that goes beyond that. Maybe this is a manifestation of who I was in a previous life. I don't know. Maybe, you know what I'm saying? If you believe in those things, I find that as I grow older, the things I didn't believe, I start to start to believe because everything that we thought we knew, we know to some degree isn't true. This um, very much speaks to the philosophy that you go by in Ubuntu, I am because we are. Like everything that you share is like a, you live is a manifestation of that. I am because we are, not not because you are. And uh, that's outstanding. And thank you. I want to kind of go back to something you said when you started to be a therapist, because I think it ties into where you are today and everything that you do is that imposter syndrome. How, like, what was that experience for you when you, I imagine in the early days, I don't know how long it took you to, to find your footing, but I mean, what was that? What was that like? How did that look like for you? It was, you know, coming from South Carolina, you know, which is, you know, has its own inferences and cultural things coming to North Carolina. I basically started my mental health career in North Carolina uh, working for companies that there wasn't a lot of people, you know, in many aspects, I'm a unicorn. You know what I'm saying? You're not going to see many African-American males in this field, you know what I'm saying, doing the work that I do, at least at, for the companies that I work for at that time. So, you know, feeling offset to some degree when you're walking around people that might have their masters and have this one or in certain positions. And, you know, your education can give you those same things, but being unsure of whether or not you fit in that space because you don't see a lot 
of that in your space that reflects you. And then the supervisors, people in these upper positions, treating you a certain way, putting more on you or are betraying you, manipulating you. I've, I've had this experience, these experiences before, setting you up. You know what I'm saying? There's this things that you know that you should not do in this field. People that has already been corrupted in the field, so do things differently in the field as it pertains to the field. That impacted me. But you know, then you move, you grow, you shake it off. You know what I'm saying? You see the flaws in them, and you try to overcome those flaws. I tell people all the time that as many barriers that's in front of you, there's always a strategy to get past that barrier. I have felonies, you know what I'm saying? I've been, I have a, a crazy, crazy background, you know what I'm saying? There's no reason on anybody's paper that I should be where I'm at today. But strategies, you move around the strategies, you de- work on different strategies to get to where you want, to where you want to be. And you realize that you are as good as whoever is. And even if you're not, you're who you are. And that's what I felt. That's what really much erased the imposter syndrome. I'm not trying to be you. I'm not trying to be this one. I'm not trying to be that one. I'm trying to be the best me I can be. And that's what I do. I don't have to have the accolades you have. I don't have to have the books that you have out. I don't have to have the programs you have out. I have what I have. And I keep moving with that. In the middle of that, you talked about being sabotaged or or supervisors or managers giving you grief have you ever experienced the thing where you make a mistake and the the repercussion for that is 10 20 30 times more than a white counterpart of course yes i could tell a brief story about that licensed clinical addiction specialist a parallel licensed clinical addiction specialist who's caucasian now what i did um ethical violation due to Multiple roles that blurred the line of um, dual boundaries, going to an AA meeting with a client, holding money for a client to pay her bail, getting it for her mother. Never should have went to an AA meeting that looks like a dual relationship. Never should hold money for a client that looks like a dual relationship. Don't go get food for a client that's a dual relationship. There's things that they skewed to make a dual relationship. Initially, my supervisor nullified those. Those those weren't things. But when she was upset that I was transitioning to a different company, sent those things to the board in order for me to get written up. Boom. Opposite side of the story. My counterpart worker, she she had a, a devastating strategy, a tragedy in her life. Her husband's suicide in their bedroom with a shotgun. Basically slaughtering their whole bedroom, destroying all that whole room. And what it is, it really impacted her because her mom died in a similar fashion many years before. So he knew what he was doing in that way. Boom, she relapsed. She was, you know, a previous user of drugs. She relapsed. She was the head of what we call a suboxone clinic, suboxone management. So she would have peers come in, set them up with an assessment. Yo, 50% for you, 50% for me. Boom, boom, boom. She started to deteriorate. You you could tell she was using. You could tell she was doing stuff she had no business doing. Having relationships with people that were that were considered clients for the um for the company, for the agency, you know, having parties and drug parties, getting busted at drug parties, getting arrested for it. Agency's aware of it. The same clinical supervisor I have, she never got written up. She never got sent, her stuff never got sent to the board. Her board was allowed to lapse. She does not have a ding on her license. Now you see what I, now what I did that was deemed on dual relationships is one thing. What she did was evidently ethical violations on multiple fronts. And nothing happened to hers. You know what I'm saying? So mine impacts my ability to work to some degree. 
She has no impact on what she can do. If she wanted to reapply for her license today, if she could get that felony expunged, she can do it. Hmm. How about you? This Bradley? is um. Oh yeah, for sure. Do you like I? I, <laughs> no. I, I, I was asked. It, the question was a setup because I knew no, he was yes. it's funny because I I knew it was a setup by the way you reacted and I wrote it down, uh, especially the expectation of more. But I think this is important because there is that. That these stories need to be heard, right? Because it's like, ah, it's not that big of a deal, right? Like, uh, you're not getting, yeah, you're not getting special. This isn't happening, right? This is very common from the white power dynamic. So I'm curious, Rodney, if you have a story that you want to share similar. Oh, man, I don't even know where to go. I don't have one ready, but I will say this. There are a lot of reasons why it happens. Actually, I was in a, I was in a clubhouse room yesterday, and a, a white guy who also works in tech was like, something happened in his job and he realized that one of his black counterparts got harshly reprimanded for something that he's failed at many times in his career. And he realized, Oh shit, like this isn't the same. So he was like, all right, my job now is to allow people that work for me to make as many mistakes as possible. Because the reason that he is where he is, is because he was allowed to make those mistakes and he was allowed to just be a human at work. And others haven't. And I think, I don't know, I will say for me, there's this air of like, I got to be better than everybody I work with to like show up, to like walk in the door. I got to be 10 X better than you. Meaning I can't go to sleep. I got to work harder. I got to know more, which is fraught with problems. And talking to my dad recently, I heard him talk about it for the first time being the FAA for 30 plus years. And, uh, and my mom talks about it too. And this feeling of like, I always have to be better. I always have to turn the other cheek. I can't show a crack because that is, that's a fault. And I'm, I'm possibly out. That's, it is fucking exhausting. I asked my dad, I said, Hey, do you think that there was a price you paid for like having to always be on? And he was like, huh, I never really thought about it. But yeah, like you can't rest. You can't relax. It's just, yeah. Right. And it's it's a stress. It's like, you always got to be a hundred percent. You always got to be on your A game. I feel like I have to do 150% just to be deemed at 80%. I mean, that's how I feel. Even for a company that I work for now that is headed by an African-American female. I mean, those are probably the worst in some cases. I thought you, you hold yourself to a higher degree, but yet you see your white counterparts, no offense, you know, get away with murder. You know what I'm saying? Not being as productive, not being as ethically sound, not even doing what half of what I do, but get paid 10, 10 to 12,000 more, maybe. You know what I'm saying? They get recognition for doing what? Their baseline job where I did this, 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 and that. It's disgusting. There's, um, it's one of those things in, I don't know if that no offense was directed at me, but there is no no offense taken. I'm very aware of the privileges that I have. I think oftentimes to like when Rodney and I started at our prior company, I knew how much he made because he was going to give me an opportunity to negotiate. And by happenstance, they ended up paying me 20% more. And my way up from a promotional standpoint has been, I mean, not always easy, but 
it's not like I ever think about these things, right? And I have this conversation with my wife a lot because it's similar, right? I mean, just from male to female dynamic. Like she locks her door when, because we both work from home and the kids, kids are home. So she'll lock the door. So the girls don't come in and interrupt a call. Whereas I'm like, whatever, right? Like I'll use it. I'm good. Right. I don't, it I don't let any of these things. And I thus have the ability to constantly be better, but my better is an acceleration. It's not a, it's not a normalization. Right. And I know I can come to work and be like, yeah, I'm having a bad day. And no one sits there and goes, oh, what are all the biases that I'm going to ascribe to you that says your bad day means you're a bad person? They're just like, oh, Keith's having a bad day. Right. And I know it only becomes a problem when it becomes a pattern and it becomes a regular thing. It's not like that one time I showed up and now all of a sudden all you think about is me. And like, I feel it. And, and I, and I put this out there because what you guys say, like, I don't know what that feels like. Literally. I feel the other side of that coin. Very, very much. So there's a good thing right there. Like being late, like, don't let me be five minutes late. Cause then I've suffered the, the stereotype of black people being late, like for being late one time, let me be one minute late. Let you be 10 minutes late. Uh, it's okay. Like, there's not even a question. It's just like, yeah, it's, it's annoying, but it's, I don't get ascribed. Oh, there's another white male being late today. Right. You don't get to take the bag, which, which piles down right. towards the reviews and everything. Right. right. It's America and not A-M-E-R-I-C-H-A-M-E-R-I-K-K-K-A, you know, Ice Cube oh, version. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> Lots of kids. I, I mean, I think what you're heading in this, I mean, this, this piece of the conversation with so much, not so much time left, but there's this weird desire or need to love this country, right? Like, I don't understand it. Like, I, I, I understand what the country is. Like, I see it for what it is. It's good and it's bad such a cultural need to not accept the bad. And mm. it's just, it's like, it, 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 it would be that, like, Felipe? yeah. How do you feel about that? I believe America has one of the strongest propaganda campaigns on the entire planet. You know, my family's not native of this country. You know what I'm saying? I was back and forth between, you know, my native country and this country. Um, even when I was in the military or my wife was in the military, you know, we see different types of media. America always said they're the greatest and they're the best, but yet we are, we're damn near a third world country when it comes to medic, medical care. We're damn near a third world country when it comes to the housing crisis. We're damn near a third world country when it comes to employment opportunities. We, we're shit in everything when you compare them to like the European countries that, that are astounding, like Germany and Norway and Sweden, you know what I'm saying? Like, look at those compared to us. You know what I'm saying? Even Australia, that backwards country of criminals, you know, when they were formed, they were basically English people thrown out of the country because they were criminals. Yeah, throw all the criminals on the island over there, that old bullshit ass island with the Aborigines. But they are no longer criminals. (laughs) I would, and I would say that even to some, you believe that it's so infused in you by the media, by the television shows, by the cartoons we watch, that you believe these things to be true. 
until you until you are forced to not believe them anymore. I think this millennium, it has been well, the one prior to it, twenty ten, became more apparent that America is shit. For, excuse my language, because it is not beneficial to the, to all. It's only beneficial to a tight percent. You know what I'm saying? Not even saying white people, because it's not even not y'all. The one percent of the white people. You know, the upper upper echelons. That you know what I'm saying? That everything they do is to benefit them. That they don't care about us. What's twelve hundred dollars here? Six hundred dollars here? Or fourteen hundred dollars here? When the other countries were giving two and three thousand dollars a month, Canada, they're right there. They're no way as big as we are. Well, you know, you're right there at the top. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And look how many benefits they get for the medical benefits and social benefits compared to us. And we're supposed to be the best country in the whole world. <sighs> we're split. We're we're we're, we're divisive. There's no reason why we should be so distinctly different in our ideologies and thoughts. I think the gangs of the Republicans and the gangs of the Democrats perpetuate that more than they should. I was always thinking that Obama was going to do the greatest thing he could have done, abolish the parties. You know what I'm saying? Just be who you are. You know what I'm saying? Abolish lobbying. That that would definitely level the playing field. You know what I'm saying? I don't believe in the propaganda. I think this country is shit. And that's because I've been to every... Every continent but one. So I know every place. I know everything about everything in regards to how everything else is done compared to how we're doing it. You go to any other country, they spit on you because they hate you because the machine. They know the machine and they know that we're fake and we're false. It's a disgusting country. I would love to live in Canada. I would love to live in other countries, but I live here. I I could go somewhere else, but when you got children here, it's kind of the more difficult. But I have children and I have to think about their needs. And when they get a little older and they're in college and they're on their own, then I could probably do what I want to do as far as maybe moving to Canada or moving it back to Germany. Or I know I had a lovely time in Angelic, Turkey, you know, just something different, something that we're not so influenced by the norms or the propaganda machine of America. If you close your eyes or if you did some research, you'll see that America is very reminiscent of um, Nazi Germany. I don't disagree with that. No. Actually, a lot of European friends have pointed that out to me, especially during the last four years of the Trump campaign. The I do love America. I don't. What I don't understand, Keith, is not the love of America. It is the blind love. Yeah, I think that's the, really the, the point I'm making. Yeah. And I think that's what you were yeah. saying. I just wanted to clarify. Like, I think I, I like that Baldwin quote where it's like, it's because I love America that I demand the right to criticize her. Yeah. And we just have never lived up to this idea of the light of the, the light on top of the hill to your point, Felipe, we, it was was like, we're good spin masters, spin doctors. Like we just put the marketing out and then just propaganda, 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 instead of spending the time to actually be that light. So we got work to do. Yeah. And I mean, I agree. And I, I love America because it's my home. I've never been anywhere else and it's where my family is and it affords me in particular shitloads of opportunity to do whatever the hell I want and um, except tear down my backyard that's in an environmental floodplain and then I got in trouble by the county today, but that's a whole different story. But um, I have that ability and at the same time, it is because of that like I'm always trying to make my family better. I'm always trying to make myself better. I think it's important that we always always see things for what they are and then try to make them better tomorrow. And it's not bad to say things are shit. Like if things are shit, that gives us something to improve. 
if we just say everything's great, then boom, we're done. Felipe, we should talk. But one of my mentors just moved, him and his wife just moved their kids to Spain, specifically after doing the educational analysis and the healthcare analysis. No, their kids are going to be better off. So we should, we should talk about it. But listen, we're coming up on time. I know this one's a little bit shorter. Way too fast. That was, way too I fast. I mean, we have but... so much more. Like, this has been awesome. It's great to know you, man. Your soul is, Thank you. is right where the energy line of my life wants to be. And I just, I love talking to you. I love getting to know you. And this is, this is great. Thank you, sir. Thank you. Yeah, I agree with all of that. And our last question, it will be, what does compassion mean to you? To me, compassion is being present, showing you the love that I would want to receive, being there for you as I would want you to be there for me. Compassion is genuinely investing in you as you invest in me. Compassion is loving, living, living, loving. Compassion.